Hey, good morning, Grace, and thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, I've had a lot of fun over the last few weeks just connecting with different people who are tuning in to the online service, really from uh, out of state, all over the country. And I just love that. I love that you have decided to uh, participate with us in this way. So whether you're in your living room, your dining room, maybe you're still even in your bedroom, we just thank you for joining us. Uh, this morning and as we continue with what we're calling Summer in the Psalms. But before we get into this uh, today's Psalm, Summer in the Psalms, I just want to give you an opportunity to give back. We uh, have had the elders come on regularly and just talk to us about giving and that's been awesome. But I just wanted to take the chance to say thank you uh, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your continued giving. Uh, we really have done very well uh, over this season, a lot better than probably what we even expected. And uh, I just wanna thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving. Uh, so we're gonna go to a moment of uh, time where you could either give through Venmo or text to give. I highly encourage you, uh, if God is still providing you, then just to be obedient and to uh, reflect your thanksgiving back to God in giving. That's what that's all about. It's just a way of showing our love and appreciation to God. So uh, go online if you'd like to and set up regular giving, but the text to give in the Venmo is going to come up in just a minute. Uh, so Lord, right now we just pray uh, that you would bless the giving of the church, that you would help us to be good stewards with everything you give to us, that you would be pleased uh, with the way we use your resources. We thank you for how you provide in so many different ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you have joined me or decided to join me in what we're calling the plus 30 Psalm reading plan, um, but I wanna encourage you to do it. It has been so good, uh, so rich, and so timely in this season for us to participate in this. And if you're not doing it, I just wanna take one more shot at just convincing you that maybe uh, you should. As a reminder of how the Plus 30 reading plan works, you read the Psalm that corresponds with the current date. So for instance, tomorrow is going to be July 20th. Can't hardly believe it's already July 20th. Uh, but you would read Psalm 20, then you would add 30 and read Psalm 50, Psalm 80, Psalm 110, and then Psalm 140. So you read five Psalms by just adding 30 each time uh, the day after that. So Tuesday, you start with 21, then 50, uh, 51, and so on. Uh, great plan, great way to just uh, go after the Psalms. So, so why the Psalms? Why did we choose the Psalms in this season? Well, for one thing, in this season of loss, in the season of chaos, in the season of, of difficulty that we've been in, uh, the Psalms just seem to model for us something important for us to hold on to. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message and has just written a lot of great books, uh, says that the Psalms are God's gift to train us in prayer that is comprehensive and honest. I love that. Prayer that is comprehensive and prayer that is honest. Dennis Hopkins, another writer, says the journey through the Psalms is a journey through life. It's a journey through faith. In the Psalms, we see raw honesty. We see uh, this model of prayer that's not cleaned up or, or eloquent. I think sometimes we think we gotta figure out how to say words in, in fancy ways. Sometimes I'm with people and they're uh, worried about praying because they don't know how to pray eloquently. And when you see in the Psalms, it's just this realness and this rawness, this comprehensiveness and this honesty. N.T. Wright says the Psalms express all of the emotions we are likely to feel and they lay them raw and open in the presence of God. So if it feels like I'm trying to sell you on something or convince you of something, I am. I want you to hang out with me in the Psalms for the rest of the summer. 
I want you to be a part of what God is doing. I really believe this is a defining moment for us as a church as we just uh, hang out and soak ourselves in the psalm. My vision for grace uh, has been, and it continues to be, that we would be a church without curtains. Let me explain what that means. Jesus came, he walked this earth, he died on the cross, and in the moment that he gave up his spirit, the curtain in the temple that represented separation between us and God was torn from top to bottom. In that moment, we were given this incredible access to God. We can talk directly to God. We can have conversations directly to, with God. God talks to us through the Holy Spirit. But like our forefathers, Adam and Eve, we become masters of hiding. We actually put our own curtains up and we hide from one another and we hide from God. And God is calling us to be profoundly authentic and honest in our relationship. He's calling us to be a church where we can struggle and still be accepted, a place where all of our emotions can be shared. Community is fostered, community is strengthened when honesty and vulnerability are present. A church without curtains is a church where we can actually be vulnerable and honest with God and one another. It's a church without pretense. It's a place where you can be truly known and deeply loved. And most of us, most people go through life never really being known and never really being accepted and loved for who they really are. So I hope that you are excited about being in the Psalms. I hope that you will join me in the Psalms and I hope that the Psalms will become kind of a defining moment for us as a church as we continue on the journey of being a church without curtains. As I've studied the last few weeks, one of the revelations that hit me is that many of these Psalms are written by individuals. They're written by individuals who are, are pouring their hearts out to God. Some of them are written by individuals, but get this, all of them were written with the intention of being read and sung in community. Let that sink in for a minute. These are people's private, personal words to God, but they immediately become part of the community. They become part of this, this opportunity for people to bring their deepest emotions to one another and share those emotions together. And this is hard for us to comprehend, this idea that, that the individual would bring all of their emotions, all of the pain, all of the difficulties to the community to process together. But part of the reason for that dichotomy is that, is that the concept of individual, uh, it, it, it was almost non-existent in the ancient world. Our ideas of uh, our understanding of, of taking care of ourselves, looking out for number one. If somebody from the days of Psalms were to see how individualistic we are, they would be shocked and maybe even horrified at the way we live in individualistic lives. The fact is, you are part of a community. The fact is, you are not really able to feel things deeply, to be uh, moved deeply without, however you're moved, affecting the community around you. This is part of the reason why when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, it was so shocking because when the prodigal son sinned against the father, he also sinned against the community. When he took the wealth of the family and he squandered that wealth in a, in a Gentile uh, nation, he was taking wealth from the community and he was depositing it, if you will, into the Gentile nation. So this was a sin against the community as well as a sin against the father. Everyone was affected. The concept of I and living to take care of ourselves, it's a fairly new concept. And honestly, it's a dangerous one. I have a good friend once who 
said to me, uh, this friend struggles with a crack addiction. And we were sitting at breakfast one morning and talking about a recent binge he'd been on. And he said to me, I don't know why it really matters. I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Think about that for a minute. Think about his mother. Think about his father. Think about his brothers, his sisters. Think about the community around him. But that's sort of how we think sometimes, that we can do things, we can feel things, we can move in a way, and it really only affects us when, in fact, what we do affects everyone around us. We are part of an integral community, and what we do spills out among others. The Bible says, if one hurts, we all hurt. And if this is true, then how is that concept shaping our reality? The Summer in the Psalm series, it's intended to take us to new places as a church. When it comes to vulnerability, when it comes to honesty, when it comes to authenticity, when it comes to community, it's a critical step on our journey of truly being a church without curtains. So what I want you to do is grab your Bibles. Uh, today, we're going to look at Psalm 1, the very first Psalm. I want you to remember when we're doing this, whether you're online, uh, wherever it is, if you come into church, if you come to the live service or online, that you bring a Bible, that you have a journal, have something to write with, uh, take notes, uh, check in on social media, let the world know that God is doing something right here on the corner of Maras and I-94. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you uh, to take out your phone. If you're watching the service on the phone and this is going to mess you up, you don't have to worry about doing that. But if you're watching it on your TV or on your computer, take out your phone right now and take a picture. Take a picture of the TV. Take a picture of your computer and post it. Post it on social media and just let the world know that you are hanging out at Grace this morning and you were learning about the Psalms. So I'm going to actually just pause for a minute here and give you an opportunity to post on social media and let the world know that you're hanging out at Grace Community Church. Thanks for doing that. So this morning I'm going to use Psalm 1 to look at what the real prosperity gospel is all about. Maybe even clear up some misconceptions when it comes to the prosperity gospel. Psalm 1 is what's called a wisdom psalm. So, so far we've looked at a psalm of ascent. We've looked at a psalm of lament. Uh, but this is a wisdom psalm. When you read it, it reads a little bit different than the other psalms that we're looking at. It reads a little bit more like reading Proverbs, for instance. It's, it's meant to be instructional and at the same time inspirational. What do I mean by that? It tells us what we should do, but it's also written in a way to inspire us to do that very thing that we're supposed to do. Some scholars have said that this psalm, Psalm 1, is the preface for all of the rest of the psalms. It says if you were reading a novel or reading a, a book, this would be the preface. Spurgeon said that all of the rest of the psalms are just one long sermon to explain Psalm 1. So if you pay attention to this psalm, and then you pay attention as you're reading through the plus 30 plan, you're going to see the themes of Psalm 1 repeated in the rest of the psalms. Over and over, actually, you'll see some of these same themes. So a reading of Psalm 1. It says, The way of the righteous and the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all it does he prospers. The wicked are not so, 
but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Lord, thank you for this incredible psalm. Thank you for the psalms. Thank you for how they teach us to uh, pray comprehensively and honestly before you. Thank you for the challenge of Psalm 1. May pray that in these next few minutes that we would hear uh, and that we would obey, that we would walk in the way that you call us to walk. I pray that this psalm would be inspirational and instructional. In Jesus' name, amen. When you open to the, the beginning of Psalm 1, it has the header. It says, the way of the righteous and the wicked. It tells us that this psalm is describing two possibility, two ways of life, two possible tracks to follow, if you will. It's one or the other. There's no third option in the psalm. We go the way of the righteous or we go the way of the wicked. That's what the psalm is laying out, two paths. I wonder if maybe it was this psalm that uh, Robert Frost had in mind when he penned the word somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. One thing is certain, the, the road to blessing the way of righteousness is definitely the road less traveled. And indeed, traveling that road makes all the difference. Hopefully your Bibles are still open. I just want to point out something that I found fascinating. If you look at verse 1 of Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man. But if your Bible's still open, go to the last verse of uh, Psalm 2. It's in chapter two, or verse 12. In the last part of it, it says, blessed are all. Blessed is the man, blessed are all. And if you were to think of these as parenthetical statements or as brackets, everything that falls between that first line of 1 and that last line of 12 is this descriptor of us how to live blessed as individuals and how to live blessed as communities. Keeping in mind that for a community to be blessed, the individuals have to walk the way of the righteous. And for the, the individuals to be blessed, the community has to walk the way of the righteous. So there is this beautiful picture of how we are to thrive, how we are to be blessed as a community and as, as individuals. So the psalm starts with blessed is the man. And I wanted to start with a question, and we're not going to cut away on this one because it's just a yes or no question, but how many of you want to be blessed? I would think that the vast majority of us would say, yes, of course I want to be blessed. But what does being blessed really mean? If I were to have 10 of you call in right now and tell me, what is your definition of blessing? What do you think it means when this passage says, blessed? We would get 10 different responses. I'm confident of that. And I know what I'm about to say is going to ruffle some feathers. But the word actually means happy. Happy. Somehow happy has become a bad word in Christendom. Like we're not supposed to be happy. On December 8th of last year, I preached a sermon focused on the words of the angel uh, in Luke in the nativity story where he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And the fascinating thing about that sermon was the amount of feedback, even pushback, um, some excitement about it. But I got more feedback from that sermon probably than any other sermon I've preached in, in my time here at Grace. And, and what I've said in that sermon that's important is that this word joy... 
this word joy, it actually means, if you were just to, to, to look it up, look it up right now if you want to. If you go to, even to a, a biblical dictionary, the word joy means happiness, merrymaking, jubilation, pleasure, enjoyment, delight, bliss, and glee. God wants you to be happy. Somewhere we've been told that we need to be somber, we need to be stoic, we, that God isn't concerned with our happiness. I even, in that sermon, confessed to you and apologized to you because I have said more than once, God is not concerned with your happiness, he's concerned with your character. And the truth of the matter is, as I've studied, as I've looked, God is concerned with both. God desires that you have joy. God desires that you have, have happiness. Psalm 1 is a path to joy. Psalm 1 is a path to blessing. It's a path to merrymaking. It's a path to jubilation. It's a path to pleasure, to delight, to bliss, to glee. It is a path to happiness. The prosperity that's promised in the Bible is about this deep contentment, this inner peace, this deep joy amidst the storm. Prosperity here and blessing, it has nothing to do with stuff. It doesn't even have anything to do with all of your circumstance. It is a promise of shalom, peace, regardless of your circumstances. I think it's a shame that Christianity around the world is known as the sad religion. It's not. It's good news. It's great joy for all people. This was sent to me this week in a, in a different text, but the, the, the verse just jumped off the page to me. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, the prophet Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord." I will take joy in the God of my salvation. What's he saying? He says, even when all is failing, this is an agrarian society. And so he's, de he's describing a total collapse in the economy, a total collapse, collapse in the way everything's done. We can relate to that in a time of pandemic, can't we? And he's saying, even if all of that's going on, I will rejoice and I will take joy in God. I will continue to be happy. Psalm 1 makes it crystal clear that this is a path to blessing. And the path to blessing is found in obedience. I love the analogy or the, the story that Kevin and Jordan used. Inside God's design plan, we will prosper. Like these plants in my garden that, that, that they showed in the video, like you can see, these plants, they prosper. Inside of those raised beds, they prosper. But we, we, we don't see the beds as protection and blessing. We see them as, as restrictions. We see them as confining. And, and we all have this rebellious thing in our hearts that says, I want to, I want to go outside of the, of the bed. I want to go out in the rest of the yard. I want to go over there. It looks so much better. That whole, the grass is greener catches up to all of us. But happiness, joy, glee, merrymaking is found in staying within the boundaries that God has designed for us. The bottom line of this psalm is you cannot prosper and be blessed and go against God, what God desires. But we deceive ourselves and we think to ourselves just the opposite. It's actually the human condition. It goes all the way back to the original garden, 
right? Adam and Eve were promised in this garden, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You have everything you need to be intrinsically, deeply satisfied and happy. You have everything you need. But they chose to go outside of that. They chose to, to, to walk away. They chose the path of the wicked that's described in Psalm 1. And when they did, they brought about death and they brought about sorrow. Psalm 1 is saying, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, delight. Delight in following God's ways. Delight in staying within the boundaries that God has designed for you and designed for me. And don't do it because it's restrictive. Do it because it's protective. <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't do it because it confines you. Do it because it unleashes who you really are. Not because you have to, but because you truly want to. The, the passage talks about delighting in the things that God has for you, delighting in hanging out with your father, delighting in, in doing the things that God has called you to do, not out of compulsion, but out of delight. I've sat with people in my office more than once, and they've said to me, I'm thinking about leaving my spouse, or they say, I am leaving my spouse. And more often than not, they say something like, I'm just not happy. And I think God wants me to be happy. And when I have those conversations, I always say the same thing. God will not allow you to be happy and be disobedient. The scripture is clear. You can light your own path. You can light your own fires. You can follow the path that you decide, the fire that you light. But when you do, it says you will lie down in torment. God's wanting you to be happy. And the idea here of being happy isn't incongruent with the Psalms. It's fascinating. If you read the Psalms, there's all kinds of emotions, right? Difficult emotions. It's all over the place. Like we saw N.T. Wright said, you see every every possible human emotion from anger, grief, pain, loss, mourning, sorrow. Yet in the Psalms, they're all about a path to blessing, a path to contentment, a path to, that's right, happiness. There's nothing contradictory or incongruent in this at all. We can have hope and joy and even be happy, jubilant delight in the midst of our trials. We can bear fruit of joy even when the drought comes. That's what the passage is saying. Our leaves don't wither. And in every season, we bear fruit. Happy. Does God want you to be happy? He does. And the happiness requires redefining and rediscovering what it is that truly brings happiness. It's not about the hot girlfriend or the new Jeep. I just got a new Jeep. I love the Jeep, but it's not going to make me happy. It's not about a bigger car or a bigger house or better friends or a better spouse. Happiness and the blessing are found in delighting in God and having the presence of God in your everyday life through thick and thin. God wants you to know this intellectually and he wants you to know this experientially. He wants you to discover as you live your life that his ways are actually better. His ways are so much richer and his ways are so much, church, can I tell you, his ways are so much more rewarding. Look at verse three, it says, he is like a, tr he is like a tree planted. One thing I, I wanna just make sure you know, the, 
this passage has nothing to do with gender. They use he, it's just the way the scriptures are written, but you can, anytime you read that, you're gonna say the person, the student, the child, the, the anyone who walks in the way of the righteous, anyone who delights in the way of the Lord. It's not a, this is not a gender specific thing, but it says he is like a tree planted. I found myself meditating on this part of the, the Psalm more than any other part this week. And it's not like we are a tree that just sprouts up somewhere. Right? There is, there is an intentionality to this. He is planted. He is placed. He is put in a place where he can prosper. There's intentionality. I love that. I've, I've been thinking about my garden. I love working in my garden. I love the, the raised beds and growing my plants. But all of those plants were purposefully placed where they are. And they are placed in, a, in where they are so that they can grow, so that they can bear fruit, so that they can do well. There's intentionality in putting them in the place that they can thrive. And when they thrive, they bear fruit. But what is fruit? When you look at this passage, what is fruit? Well, fruit is your character, right? It's your way of responding to life. Fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So it's, it's found in your character. Fruit, fruit is even productivity, not just in ministry, but in, in all of your life, being productive in what you do. When you follow God's ways, you will produce, it says, in season. Fruit is found in the quality of your relationships. For instance, when two people are committed and faithful to living life God's way of, of following the way of the righteous, it's described in Psalm 1, two people are married and they both follow the way of the righteous, the fruit will be a dynamic, life-giving marriage. It just will. It, it's, it's guaranteed. As you both walk in the way of the righteous, you will have this rich, dynamic relationship. Fruit is found in the quality of the community when we are all walking in the way of the righteous. Fruit is found in the way your children respond to you as you've modeled this type of faithful living. Our understanding and living out Psalms 1 is critical to our emotional and our spiritual well-being. It tells us very clearly that there are two roads and these two roads converge in the forest and we have to decide which road to take. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would take the one less traveled, that you would walk the way of the righteous, that you would delight in the law of the Lord, that you would take delight in following God's ways, because he promises in that, that he has given you everything you need for life and godliness, that you not only can thrive, but you can bear fruit in season. Delight in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity for us to uh, look at Psalm 1. I thank you for just the beauty and the simplicity, but the profound implication of this psalm, that you desire to bless us, that you desire to take us to new places, that you desire to place us in the place where we can thrive, where we can bear fruit. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who walk in the way of the righteous, where we would actually delight, that we would be excited about our times in the word of God, that even when we're doing this plus 30 plan, that we would do it in a way that, that we just delight in it, that it's not a drudgery, it's not checking a box, it's hanging out with the living God. So Lord, help us to live into and live out Psalm 1 as individuals and as a community. Help us to receive the blessing that you promise. 
that we will bear fruit in season, that our leaves will not weather. Help us to be the church you've called us to be right here at Maras and I-94. Amen. Hey, we have a team of people that pray for you every week. Uh, and this week, as they were praying for you, uh, one of the things they heard is somebody is thinking about walking away from God. And we want to encourage you to call the number on your screen and uh, let somebody just pray with you and for you. Some of you uh, are struggling to pray. You don't know how to pray. You want to pray in a more uh, deeper way. And uh, we would love for you to call that number and we can walk you through some of that as well. Uh, that there's been just a sense of worry amongst the body and that you may just need peace. So you can call that number and someone will just pray for peace for you. And then there's just a sense that uh, as a body, a lot of us has become harsh and critical and that God wants us to be gentle and kind. And if you just feel like you need to call in and talk about that a little bit, we would love to meet you online and uh, pray with you for that. We love you. We're so thankful that you decided to join us this morning. May you have a great Sunday and have a blessed week. Love you, Grace.